all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, it's no secret we're all living in stressful times and people are not only worried about themselves or their families becoming ill, but they're also dealing with economic and emotional issues, society problems, potential loneliness and isolation. That stress could be leading to something more. Join us today as we take a closer look at broken heart syndrome and its relationship between the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we'll explain what broken heart syndrome is, how you can prevent it, and I have uh, as our return guest, Dr. Courtney Walker, who is a psychologist at UMMC, who will help us better understand what to do if you or someone you love is at risk for developing a broken heart. So are you dealing with a broken heart? Do you just hurt in your chest? Or do you know someone who has? I want you to give us a call today at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org to talk about this very, very important issue that we have going today. So you you may have heard, I want to talk a little bit more about this to explain what we want to talk about today. You've heard people say that someone maybe died of a broken heart. Maybe it was that person who lost a partner of 50 years, um, and within a few weeks of their spouse's death, they died. Or the mother who lost a child and never seemed to recover, maybe even developed cardiac problems. It could have been the person who lost everything during a disaster, such as Katrina, who suddenly, with no risk factors, began to have heart problems. Well, there really is something that has been described in the medical literature as broken heart syndrome or stress cardiomyopathy. It's also called Takasubo's cardiomyopathy, described, uh, named by the person who, who um, first described it. And it seems to occur in response to physical or emotional stress. It's real, you guys. This is a real thing. And though the death rate is low, there have been individuals who have literally died from a broken heart. It, according to researchers, is the prolonged and unrelenting stress that can actually, if the stress is not diminished, can cause heart injury or death even. 
so something like that is, you know, we've talked so many times on this show about how um, significant mental health issues um, are are really bad for your physical health, not just your mental health. Um, it can hurt your organs. It can increase your blood pressure. It can increase stress. So today we're lucky to have Dr. Walker back to help us understand what to do to help manage the stress um, that we are all feeling and protect our hearts and minds um, as we move through this difficult time. So welcome, Dr. Walker. Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be back. So um, before we start getting advice from you, Dr. Walker, I wanted to talk a little bit more about one of the most recent studies that came out about this broken heart um, syndrome. And, you know, today now um, we don't have a cardiologist on. I can give some general advice if anyone is, is concerned about maybe they have that. Um, because I am a medical doctor, but I would like to encourage everybody as we move through this, if you have significant concerns about your heart um, and maybe some chest pain that you are feeling that is new or some tightness or something different, I really want you to know you have got to call your primary care provider and just make sure. Now, yes, Everybody is dealing with stress, and everybody may feel a little racing heart every now and then or uh, increase in blood pressure. But if you are having something that you're not sure what it is and it's new, I want to make sure you know. Call your primary care provider today to make sure. Okay. Let me tell you about this recent study that that um, appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association. That's JAMA. It's in the JAMA network um, open, and you can access it yourself if you want to read the whole scientific study. Um, it's a little deep, but I'm going to try to break it down for you a little bit. It That particular article asked particularly if, psychological, social, or economic stress of the pandemic has been associated with an increase in um, the incidence of stress cardiomyopathy. So uh, the, the authors felt like, obviously, there had been increased stress for lots of people, like with Katrina back many years ago and and how it changed everybody's life. But this is a little bit different. Um, in that, um, you know, what happened with Katrina um, was that sudden, immediate thing. COVID is something that keeps going and going. Not to undermine, I, I certainly understand um, all of our um, family and friends on the Gulf Coast um, experienced Katrina for a very, very, very long time, and some still are dealing with what happened. But... Um, this study was completed by a group of doctors from Cleveland Clinic, and it was published, like I said, in the JAMA Open Network. And they, what they wanted to do was see, knowing that there was such a thing as this stress cardiomyopathy, what was happening now um, with the increased um, stressors that are going on. And what they found after looking at 
um, individuals who developed this stress cardiomyopathy, and they did, by the way, rule out uh, COVID-19 as a cause for this. And uh, so anybody who had COVID-19 was not included in the study. But what they found was that there was a significant increase in individuals who had um, different criteria. So some of the criteria, this is not just, oh, my heart hurts or my heart is racing. This is something real. So some of the criteria um, in um, the, the Toka Subo um, syndrome that was established back in 2014 is that uh, they can have transient left ventricular dysfunction. That means the left side of the heart. The, the large chamber in the heart is not working well. Um, also, some, some specific wall abnormalities where the, the wall, the muscular wall of the heart is not functioning well. Um, they also looked at the signs that you see on an electrocardiographic um, tracing an EKG that many of you have had, and they, they found the significant signs on that EKG that you see with an early um, myocardial infarct or heart attack. Um, and they also looked at biomarkers, the troponin and the creatine kinase, some of those biomarkers that are measured when someone has um, a heart attack. And they found all those things were there in these individuals. And so um, the cardiologist came up to a conclusion that these individuals um, definitely had the broken heart or the cardiomyopathy um, from stress. Um, the majority of these individuals recover. So this is something that you can recover from if the stress and anxiety and the continued upset is released. And that's what we want to talk about today is that, that we know that COVID-19 has been something terrible and significant and, um, and heartbreaking in, in many ways. Um, you know, and, and as Michelle McAdoo, my producer, and I were talking about this, um, thinking about the number of grandparents in nursing homes um, who have not been able to see their loved ones, the, the unbelievable measures that some of the families have gone to to try to keep their loved ones safe in those nursing homes but still stay connected to them. And I hope, I think some of you are out there who have done that, and we'd love to hear from you. So I want you to give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org to tell us about maybe the, the ways that you've tried to keep some of the anxiety and upset and depression 
off some of your loved ones that you can't stay in touch with. Talk to us about maybe some of the symptoms that you might be feeling. We really want to hear from you. And when we get back from our first break, what I want to do is bring Dr. Walker back in to talk with us a little bit about maybe if you're feeling some of that unrelenting stress and you just can't let go of it, some of the things that perhaps we can do to help ourselves. So this is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. And this is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about the broken heart syndrome or the cardiomyopathy that can develop from stress. And I know we had a little bit of a glitch before the break, but I want to pull Dr. Courtney Walker in um, right now for us to talk about this. But we really do want you to give a call and let us know what's going on in your life as far as feeling the stress. Um, maybe even if you think that someone is on the verge of something like distress cardiomyopathy, what can you do about it? Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. All right, Dr. Walker, I want you to talk to us just for a few minutes about maybe um, approaching stress and and ways that we can deal with it. Um, Jump in and talk to us a little bit. All right. So, uh, you know, I think it's so interesting. Um, I was reading through this article, and um, it's just such an interesting finding, and an interesting research question that these authors um, were asking specifically as it relates to COVID, because I know that we've talked about um, plenty of times about just how stressful COVID is alone. And for a lot of us, most of us, um, COVID stress was added on to the stress we were already experiencing in our everyday lives, right? And so, you know, there's a level of stress that we can all kind of deal with um, in a healthy and adaptive way, and actually, stress is um, stress reactions are completely normal, um, and you know our bodies are kind of designed to have that response to things that might be threatening or um, 
it just kind of motivates us to get things done or to move away from something that's not, you know, uh, really making us happy or causing us stress. And so it, it's a normal response, and a lot of us can manage it for the most part um, pretty well, uh, especially if we're just talking about day-to-day stress. But then you add on the stressors of COVID. And, you know, that, all, that looks different for everybody. For someone working in the medical community, the stress looks a little different from them because they have the stress of going to work, potentially getting COVID, and then bringing it back to their family. That's one source of stress. Other folks are just stressed because, like you said, they can't see their loved ones. Folks who are in nursing homes can't really see their family members, people who brought a lot of joy to their lives. So it all looks different for us, but there are some things that we can all do to kind of manage it. And again, as we talked about before, stress, we can try to prevent it and reduce it, but we're never going to get rid of it. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be lingering in the background. So the things that we do help us manage the stress and help us manage the physiological effects that stress has on our bodies. And so I'm a big, big advocate of exercise. If you can, exercise is a great way to reduce stress. Um, really good, you know, um, for heart health too. But if you can't do that or if you can't do it for as long as you like, there are other things that you can do too. So, um, and Dr. Butcher, jump in if you want. Uh, if I'm going on, on, on and on about this, but I could talk about it all day. Um, no, but, you're absolutely right. I just want to interject there. I think yeah. for, for many, that exercise piece is huge. And if you look, if you if you just look at some of the YouTube videos and other things that people are putting out there, many of it is related to exercise and what they're doing to try to keep themselves happy. So I just want to reiterate that point. It's a great one. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and when we talk about exercise, it doesn't have to be what you envision, like going and running for 30 minutes in the heat. I wouldn't recommend that at all because it's way too hot. But it could be, you know, getting on uh, a bicycle or going out and gardening in your garden for 30 minutes, something that just gets your heart rate elevated a little bit, gets you breathing a little, um, a little hard is good. Um, but another thing that I really like is what I call um, just deep breathing. And, you know, we breathe all the time, right? That's just, you know, we have to, but a lot of us take really shallow um kind of shallow breaths and that's normal that's you know that's just how we work that's how our body works but we don't really realize that sometimes when we're under that stress those breaths get even um, shallower and so we start taking very quick rapid breaths which can actually produce a physiological response that makes us more stressed and anxious so one of the best things that you can do is called deep breathing or what I call belly breathing And one of the ways that you know that you're belly breathing is if you put your hand on your stomach and you kind of watch it and you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. And really the hand on your stomach should be moving up and down with your, with your belly. And that really tells you that you're getting those deep breaths in the breaths that are going to be responsible for calming your body's physiological response to stress versus those rapid breaths if you're rapid breathing then the chest uh, a hand on your chest is going to be moving a whole lot quicker than the hand on your belly so i really recommend that Um, you can take 10 deep breaths 
you know, and, you know, they're not, again, they're not rapid, they're drawn out, but even that can just help in the moment for reducing some of those physiological um, effects of stress on the body. Have you right. ever done that before? <laughs> oh, yes. um, oh, all the time. And uh, I think I would love for our listeners right now to try that because it makes a huge difference. And we've talked about this before also. And um, any of you who have blood pressure cuffs at home where you monitor your blood pressure, if you ever take your blood pressure and it's elevated a little bit, sit and do those deep belly breathings, um, breaths for even, you know, five to six or eight, Well, um, if you do that and you truly do it slowly and calmly and you try to center and think about your breath rather than thinking about whatever stress there is out there, you can lower your blood pressure by 10 points. I've done it myself before. And so I would encourage you to do that because if you think about it, if you take those deep breaths, you lower your blood pressure. You also lower your heart rate. And so you diminish the stress that's going on with your heart. And and good um, wellness experts talk a lot about uh, doing this several times a day because it can impart calming. And you can do that if you're working in your office, if you're at your home. If you have to go in the bathroom and close the door just to sit there and do this deep belly breathing so you don't have anybody bothering you. It's it's a really good way to do it. So, you know, I'm interested as we talk through this, I'm so very interested in hearing about what some people are doing to try to help alleviate maybe the sadness and the anxiety that some of their um loved ones are feeling and so please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four i want to hear from you if you or somebody you love might be um edging towards something like that what have you done to help them or help yourself what have you done um I will tell you, uh, I'm hoping that we might have somebody call on the phone, I'd ask, but I think this person is shy. And what they have done to um, to help with their loved ones in a nursing home when they couldn't walk into the nursing home and visit them. So um, you might have a story out there. I'm not going to give that story away if our caller does want to give us a call. Uh, but we can talk a little bit more about other things we've done. I know I've done a lot of um, talk time with my grandchildren, and though I don't think I was worried about them having uh, broken heart syndrome, I was worried about myself. I was so used to getting to give them hugs and and hugging on them, and so we started doing a lot of, Um, FaceTime, YouTube, we have done some distance visiting where I walked to the front door and they sat in the foyer and we visited. It's not optimal, but it's what we have right now. And I would like to say this is not going to be anything like the new normal. This will end, 
but right now trying to keep each other safe um, is what we have. So, you know, the deep breathing, the exercise, um, trying to make sure you're getting enough sleep. We've talked to some sleep experts, too, about how important it is to try to diminish um, all of those issues. And so, you know, if there are any sleep problems or anything like that, to work very hard to try to, to stop um, any kind of problem there. Well, Dr. Butchers, I have a question. When you were talking about broken heart syndrome earlier in the show, is it the same as a heart attack? And does it feel the same to the person that's experienced seeing the um, symptoms? Yes, absolutely. That's, I think that's the point that these cardiologists were trying to make. When a person comes in to the hospital and has these EKG changes, has issues, even the enzyme changes in the heart, it is real, um, but they have had, they have no blockage in their arteries. They have um, no other significant risk factors, although many of them do have high blood pressure. So, you know, like we've talked about, if your blood pressure is already high and you have increased stress, then what happens is your blood pressure goes up even higher um, and your heart rate goes up even higher, which increases the stress on your heart. And so, yes, it is real. That's why I really wanted us to talk about this from a stress, emotional, mental health standpoint, because we can really damage ourselves when we cannot manage the stress and anxiety. So it's really important to be able to do that. Thank you for asking that question, Michelle. I think I maybe failed at the beginning to say um, they do look at these individuals to see if they have any artery blockage and they're not seeing that. So that risk factor is not there. So maybe it's time for us to go to our next break, and um, we're still waiting for some callers. This is an important topic, you guys. Give us a call. Let's talk about it at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm with Dr. Courtney Walker today, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress with a Mindful Minute. Children grow up so fast, before you know it, they'll be starting kindergarten. A good way to watch for school readiness is to mark developmental milestones like talking in sentences, counting, writing, and playing well with others. Positive adult-child relationships are key to helping children meet these milestones. You already have the tools you need. Talking, singing, and reading are fun ways to help children learn and thrive. One way to celebrate these special moments is to use a milestone checklist. Healthcare providers are also a great resource to help make sure your child's on the mark and ready for the next step. Examples of developmental milestones, fun family activities, and additional resources can be found at MississippiThrive.com. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. Courtney Walker, and today we are talking about the broken heart syndrome. That it's real, that it's something that has increased with COVID 19 and the stressors that we are all feeling. And so today we're talking about what you can do, how you can calm yourself, de stress yourself, what you can do to protect your heart. But if you're feeling any kind of symptoms, again, I want to remind you if you are having this funny heaviness in your chest or any kind of chest pain, if you find that you are more breath, breathless on exercise than you've been before, you really do need to give your physician, even if you've recently been to a cardiologist. If something comes up, if you have new symptoms, um, I really want you to to make a note that after this show is over or during it, if you're feeling them acutely, I want you to call your primary care provider and let them know that, that you are feeling symptoms that you think need attention. Okay. Now, we do have a couple of callers. I'm happy for that. Mary from Independence is first. Let's go to the phones. Hi, Mary. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for calling. Talk to us about what you want to share. Well, um, you know, it's hard. Um, I could burst into tears right now, not only um, because of what's happening with the separation of families, but because of what we see in our country and and um and so honestly the only thing the only thing I can do is just I'm a spiritual person and I and I just turn it over to God and I tell him it's too much for me and to please take care of it and from former experiences of doing that I know he will so that brings me a lot of comfort and I think my children do the same thing so I think spiritual I think whatever, it doesn't have to be, you know, a Christian God or whatever, it's whatever you believe in, wherever you turn for spiritual, um, for spiritual strength. It, it may be gardening. It may be, it may be whatever, but, um, you know, put your, put your faith in that and, and just, and just try to have, um, have a, a positive attitude about what's going on. It really helps to be forgiving, because um, it, it uh, and not to not to. There's plenty plenty of reason to be furious around around now. Um, there's no point in going into it. It's negative. I want to be positive, but um, the best way to get rid of being furious, in my opinion, as a Christian, is to um, to remember what Jesus said: forgiveness is is what we are are bound to do and if you can just let your heart and mind learn to forgive um it will release your it will it it completely changes your life it's like a miracle and um i remember ann landers you, you're probably too young to remember her but she was oh no advice. i remember ann landers <laughs> yeah she was an <laughs> advice, advice columnist and she said that um the best way to mental health is to forgive everybody, everything, every night. <laughs> and That's so- really good. <laughs> hey, Mary, um, you have brought up several 
excellent point. I, I think sometimes to just trust that that you will get through this and and having a higher being that you can let it go to often is very, very helpful. And I know many people seek comfort from that. You know, whenever um, I've talked to a couple of close people in my life who are who tend to be worriers and and it's you know if you're worrying about something that you really cannot change it is completely worthless time you are losing time and nothing that you can improve so very very important to keep that in mind the the other thing that you brought up that I love and we've done a whole show on forgiveness if you if you hang on to anger and resentment and and or hate, then um, it is a pull down to your own health and your own mental health, probably worse than anything that can happen. So forgiveness is very, very important. So thanks, thank you for bringing that up. I think that was another really important point. Um, Dr. Walker, do you have any comments back to Mary? Yeah. Um, oh, I just wanted to um, just say thank you for bringing up um, the act of praying. For a lot of people who are spiritual, um, that is can be just as effective as doing the deep breathing that I just, you know, I recommended a little bit before. Prayer is so helpful for reducing stress and um, can bring a lot of peace to folks. And then as far as, you know, forgiveness, yes, your, our attitudes, our thoughts, all of those, um, what we might call like a negative thought or feeling or something like that, definitely influences our stress um, and how just our physiological response to stress. So if you notice yourself kind of in that mode of always interpreting something in a kind of negative way, like, why did that person say that to me? That might be time to kind of check in with yourself and ask, I wonder why I thought that. Um, is that really making me feel any better to kind of be stuck in that negative way of thinking? And it can be really helpful to, to in boosting your mood to step away from that and forgive, like you said. So really excellent points. Thank you. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to forgive. Um, and, I, I, and I knew I had to because, you know, being a Christian, um, you have to forgive. Forgiving is the second thing in the Lord's Prayer. It's just behind bread and important. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive others. So if you want to be forgiven, you need to forgive others. But it's really hard. And my, my husband was driving me crazy. And, um, and and I was really holding it against him. And I said, I've got to learn to forgive him. And I didn't know how to do it. So I walked around, the, the, um, around my pond couple of days just through a couple hours a day and said I forgive I forgive I forgive I had to learn how to forgive and finally after much practice I did forgive and everything changed my heart my heartbeat went down my stomach stopped being stopped being clenched up it was like freedom it was like I was free and I was happy and I let all of that go and so I came back and I came in the house and my husband was sitting there and he couldn't tell by looking at me that something dramatic had happened. And um, But he didn't say anything, and we just went about our business. And whatever he did that he was doing that I was so upset about, I can't even remember what it was. 
That typically happens, Mary, and I will I'll say and I bet if you looked in the mirror, your face looked different. When we are calm and serene and happy and um, not holding on to terrible stuff, look in the mirror and you can see the muscles are relaxed. And typically, even if you're not smiling, there's almost a smile there. So what a wonderful story. I love it. And and that's what we all need to seek um, is, is that that kind of forgiveness and calmness. It is hard. Mary, thanks so much for calling. You just blended so much to the show. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Um, let's go to next. We're going to stay on the phones before our next break. We have Belle from Yazoo City. Hi, Belle. Hello. Um, I just uh, thoroughly agree with everything you all have said about uh, prayer and meditation. Um, what I've been, I live alone and, um, I I do get out. Um, I often go out to lunch and I do go to the gym, but I go at low times when the crowds are not there. And even then in the gym, I avoid the weight room at all costs because there's too much, there's been or is too much huffing and puffing in there. But uh, I am able to ride the bike with handles that's uh, out in the hall. And um, um, on eating out, as I said, I avoid the crowds. And um, about half the time, I listen to Telephone Church at our parish. And um, that's not crowd avoidance so much because we can space out. But it's to avoid the heat. Um, at mid-morning on Sundays. And a question I have is about children, um, but it's related to stress. I've been wondering with uh, the smaller children who are entering school or going back, is uh, all this, and it has to be emphasized, but is all this emphasis on hygiene for the little ones going to make them obsessive compulsive and I'll listen on the radio and thank you thank you Belle for calling that's a good question that really is uh, a good question about the hygiene and and I have honestly worried uh, also about not just the hygiene because good hand washing and and some of what we have been promoting is obviously good all the time. And we were having a discussion about whether the incidence of uh, the traditional flu, A and B, influenza, uh, will be lower because people are being so much care- so much more careful. And I suspect it will be if people continue to do what we're supposed to be doing to protect from COVID-19. It'll protect you from anything. Um, not anything, but most. But with that said, uh, you know, the social, physical distancing that we're doing, the repeated hand washing, the talk about don't get too close, don't touch that. I, I, I do wonder, even though it's necessary and we must do it, I think we need to keep it in context and remind children that there is this particular virus that we are most worried about. 
and to keep it in that context as best we can so that we don't terrify them of the world. You know, we've talked about phobias and fears before, and there are people who truly have obsessive compulsive disorder. And, and one of the, the issues that they often have is the obsessive need to stay clean, wiping counters, washing hands, and all of that. And so to um, certainly for those individuals, I suspect they're having even more difficulty now if they could. But I think, Dr. Walker, you'll probably comment on this. There's some people who are such obsessive, germophobic anyway in the world, it kind of couldn't get much worse at times. Um, and it can be debilitating. I don't know if you want to say a word on that or two. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, and, you know, some, it's kind of interesting for folks who do have some of those fears. I've actually kind of heard the opposite um, from some folks in that, they feel a little bit better right now because everyone is acting as if, you know, at Clint, they're trying to be cleaner and wash their hands more. And so there's a lot more people doing the things that they typically do any day. Um, but as far as kids are concerned, yeah, I mean, that I think that is something to be seen. We'll, we'll probably see some effects of this. But I do also want to say just because we are teaching them about hand hygiene and washing doesn't mean it's going to cause uh, OCD symptoms. What I kind of think might happen is children who are already predisposed to anxiety or anxiety symptoms might just latch on to um, a fear about germs or hand washing or something like that. But I definitely don't think it will cause that for children, but it might affect children who are going to be predisposed to it anyway. And just something for parents to look out for if they start seeing impairment um, in their child as a result of it. But for right now, it's, it's kind of adaptive in a sense that um, kids are washing their hands. And, you know, we've, we've honestly been trying to get kids to wash their hands for a long time. <laughs> Somehow it works. Um, but we just got to make sure that we watch for impairment um, in those kids who might be predisposed to some of those anxiety symptoms anyway. Right, right. Good comments. And, and uh, again, Belle, great questions. Um, all right, I think we're going to stay on the phones because we have Kevin from Biloxi, and maybe we'll just delete our last break. Is that okay with you, Michelle? Yes, that's fine. Okay. All right, Kevin. Hi, Kevin from Biloxi. Hello, Kevin, or hello. Um, hello. I, I am one who suffers regularly with OCD, and this hand washing and all of my repetitive um, I'm in I'm in therapy so I'm I'm in behavioral therapy so I am getting some of these under control but the right. hand washing and and the staying away from people doesn't seem to bother me near as much as it used to I mean have have I have I basically swapped you know my my fear of getting around people and people getting around me and my hand washing have have I just swapped it for this is pandemic control? Huh. That's really interesting, Kevin. Uh, good, good question. And thank you for calling in because you just reinforced what Dr. Walker just said. And, and that is that that maybe those individuals who have struggled so much with the OCD feel a little better. Dr. Walker, your thoughts? Yeah, I do. 
I do feel I feel a lot better. There's no a lot there's better. no little better. Yeah, there's no little better about it. I feel a lot better because nobody's, you know, staring at me. Nobody's um nobody's really standoffish, you know, knowing that I don't like yeah. to get around people. Right. They just you know, they don't want to get around people either. Right. <laughs> so what's happened right. is some of those fears are now adaptive, right? Everyone, it's, it's a little bit more. I'm, I'm going to hang up and listen, okay? Yeah, sure. Thank, what thank a great, you. What a, what a great point. You know, I think he's speaking to this act of the fears that folks struggled with are now adapt, adaptive. And everyone has this kind of same approach to this common fear. And so it's it's nuanced in the sense that those behaviors do not seem to be impairing at this point or maladaptive because it serves a real purpose right now, right? And hand-washing and cleanliness always serves a purpose. It's just kind of monitoring it when it starts to become impairing for an individual. So, yeah, I'm really kind of not surprised about what Kevin said. Like I said, I've heard that from other folks as well who struggle with that, that this time is actually – they've actually felt – really good and better than they have in a long time um, just because everyone else is doing the same thing that um, that they've done for a while. Yeah, that is, that is really interesting. And, and it makes such sense. And um, I'm so glad Kevin called in. I bet there are many people out there who are essentially feeling the same thing. For example, if someone is very uncomfortable about, that social distancing, some people get right up in your face and talk to you. And during the flu season, that's a terrible thing because we know now better because of all the research about the way uh, sputum flies out of your mouth during conversation um, that it really is better to step back a bit and have that social distancing. So everybody probably needs to stand back that comfortable social, um, uh, you know, at least three or four feet rather than getting up in someone's face. So I think we're learning things as we go. I'm very, I will be very interested to see what happens to our flu season. Of course, I want to advocate for everybody to get that influenza vaccine um, just because we surely don't need an increase in any any kind of severe illness with COVID on top of it. So I want to encourage everyone to do that. And um, so I know we just have a few minutes left. I think in the last couple of minutes, I do, since my friend did not call in, I'm going to tell a little story about a woman out there who has a mother in a nursing home, and she's not been able to visit her mother in that nursing home. And what she has done every single day is go up to her mother. Her mother comes to a window in the nursing home, and they speak on their phones, looking at each other but talking on the phone so that they can have that, that not just the verbal contact, but mother in the nursing home doesn't do FaceTime, so they're talking on the phone so her mother can see her physically there for her. Now, Talk about an amazing outreach to try to keep mama okay and stable. 
I think, and I know there are lots of people out there doing these incredibly wonderful giving and kind things, but that's the kind of thing that truly will help people um, as we um, step through all of this. Dr. Dr. Courtney Walker, do you have any parting words for us about um, stress management and trying to avoid that broken heart? Yeah. There was one more thing I wanted to say, and it kind of touched on what you just said. So people, studies have shown, just like with a broken heart, that people who are isolated and lonely are going to be more at risk for cardiac problems anyway, right? So in a time where we're kind of forced to stay at home, it's really, really important to stay connected with people in in the ways that you can. And so if that is going up to a window and talking through the phone or doing regular FaceTimes, staying connected is probably one of the best things that you can do to manage your stress right now. So I think absolutely right. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us again. Um, I really appreciate it. You're always wonderful on the show. And I, I know I tapped you at the last minute, so I appreciate that. And I hope everyone out there listening will stay well and safe and wash their hands and do that physical uh, distancing um, to stay healthy and well. And this is going to get better. We just need to do the right thing. So wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from big crowds. Thanks, everybody. Today's show was engineered by our producer, Michelle McAdoo. Our call screener was Java Chapman. Thank you, Java. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here Now, coming up next on MPD Think Radio. You take-